Morning, church. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you for asking. I um, I have my hands full with Trader Joe bags. Um, yes, I can. I'll set this one here and. There was a woman who had gone down in American history as uh, America's greatest miser. Do you know what a miser is? Penny pincher holds on to their money. In 1916, when she died, uh, her estate was valued over a million dollars. But every morning, she ate cold oatmeal because she didn't want to spend the money to heat it up. Also, her son uh, lost his leg due to amputation because she spent too much time looking for a free clinic rather than using her money. She hastened her own death, even, uh, by causing a stroke because she was arguing over why they should purchase the cheaper skim milk than the whole milk. Um, Eccentric, possibly crazy, maybe, but no one could prove it. But she was definitely rich, definitely rich. Hetty Green, Mrs. Green, is an illustration of too many believers today having access to the wealth of heaven, but living as a pauper. Uh, Allowing things to slip through their fingers, through their hands, legs getting amputated, strokes happening, all, all because we don't understand who we are in Christ. People today, Christians, believers, followers of Jesus, they have limitless wealth, at their disposal, yet they live like a pauper. They have a father fighting for them, yet they continue to live like an orphan. They have the backing of heaven, yet they reduce their life to their comfortable comfort zone, never stepping beyond what they think they can do. They never make the trade. They know what they have, they're holding on to it, and they've, they've got it, but they, you know, they just don't want to step into the place where they trade, they exchange, they give up. They step up into what God really has for them because they know what's in their hand. The title of my sermon today is Trader Joe's. Let us pray. Father, in Jesus' name, God, I thank you for your word that is alive. I thank you for your spirit that is present in this room, and and I assume in the homes of many people watching today. God, I ask that you would speak to our heart, God, that you would encourage us, inspire us, challenge us, all the things that we need from you today. God, we say, let it be. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You know, when I think about having limitless wealth 
at our disposal, and yet living like a pauper, I think of the children of Israel. You know, the, the, these people who God rescued out of bondage, rescued out of Egypt, and yeah, maybe they had too much manna too often. Do you know what I mean? They got tired of the manna. Maybe they needed a little bit of honey with it, but they had all of heaven backing them and they were complaining and they were moaning and they were wanting to go back to bondage. And, and then even, you know, we've been talking about the book of Joshua and we look at as Moses is ending his life and Joshua is gonna be the new leader. Now they're, you know, they passed the Red Sea, which was parted for them. And now they're standing at the Jordan River, which is about to be parted for them as well. And for three days, they camp there. And, and I'm wondering what goes on in their mind. Did they remember what the spies had said years before. Do you remember Moses sent 12 spies into the promised land, into Canaan, the land that God had given to them and the spies came back. They were sent on a mission, Kim, to report what they saw and then come back uh, and tell us all about it. And out of the 12, only two people came back with a good report, Joshua and Caleb. Maybe we'll call Caleb and Joe. <laughs> 10 of the 12 came back from Canaan and they were talking about the fruit and it was huge. And those, you've never seen grapes so big. And they, had, they carried the grapes on a pole between multiple men just to prove how good it was. And they, they, they exclaimed that the land was flowing with milk and with honey. And they were telling all about the good stuff, but then they started to report on the bad things that they saw. But we were like grasshoppers in their sight. The giants there are so strong and so ferocious. We are like grasshoppers in their sight. But then what did Joshua and Caleb do? What did our good friend Joe do? He said, we can surely do it. I, I know all the things that are against us, but if God is for us, who can be against us? We can surely do it. What were those other 10 guys thinking? Living like a, a pauper, living like a, a reject when God had already called them into the land of promise. I thank God for Joshua and Caleb, somebody that could walk into the exact same circumstance as someone else, but come back with a different report. Someone that could walk into the exact same land, seeing the exact same giants, breathing the exact same air, drinking the same water as everyone else that went, but coming back with a, a different report. Oh, the value that you bring to the table when you can see through heaven's eyes rather than your own insecurity eyes, the value that you can bring to the kingdom when you can step out and do what God is calling you to do rather than counting all the fears that are among us. Joshua becomes the leader. So they set up camp next to the Jordan. And I imagine as they hear the Jordan rushing by because it's overflowing their banks. This is the, the time of year. It's the season where it's not the small little river that you cross over. It was rushing and it was, it was deep and it was wide. I, I imagine that some of them maybe said, well, I heard about the 10 who said we shouldn't do this. Maybe we shouldn't do this. But after three days, 
the Ark of the Covenant, we read this last week, the Ark of the Covenant goes before them, and as the priests put their feet into the water, wet feet, faith, God began to stop up the Jordan River. The presence of God went before them, and with wet feet, faith, they didn't wait till the ground got dry, wet feet, faith, stepping even if, even when, even though, and they did, and the water dried up. And would you know that the Ark of the Covenant went into the Jordan on dry ground, and it sat in the middle while all of the Israelites crossed the Jordan. This took some time. There were a, a lot of them. And so they would cross over, and once the Israelites got all the way over, then the Ark of the Covenant, the priest carrying the Ark, went ahead and crossed. And then the Jordan started to flow again. Courage. We're in a series called Courage Over, Over Fear. And the miracles that we see among us come at a, a price, a cost. Right, we just celebrated a miracle from Amber. I used to be a youth pastor years ago. She told me before service, I haven't changed a bit. She said, I look better. I look stronger. My hair looks darker. There's a price to pay if we're going to see miracles among us, right? You can't, you can't earn miracles, but there is a price to pay if you're going to see miracles among us. I love in Joshua chapter 3, verse 5, this one phrase from last week, I want to say it again. Joshua said to the people, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Look at your neighbor and say, consecrate yourself. Look at your other neighbors, they consecrate yourself. Because tomorrow the Lord is going to do wonders among you. Tomorrow. Tomorrow the wonders, today consecration. The courage doesn't start in the wonders. The courage starts in the consecration. In the sanctification. It begins when we have the courage to listen to Holy Spirit. It takes courage to be honest with yourself. Can I get an amen from anybody who ever just had to have an intervention with yourself? It, it takes courage to admit that something's wrong. It takes courage to admit that something needs attention in your life. It takes courage to realize that you can't live a normal life. You've been set apart for a time such as this. This isn't the moment to shrink back and hide. This isn't the moment to just, you know, call it quits and say that God has no plan and no purpose for you. You were created for this moment. And I'm, I'm hoping that you and I have the courage, the audacity to consecrate ourselves so that tomorrow the Lord will show wonders among us. You know, it takes courage to go through the process of consecration and sanctification. First uh, Corinthians chapter six, verses nine through 11 says, do you not know that the unrighteous will inherit, will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do you, so let me start over. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not 
inherit the kingdom of God. Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers. Revilers, teens, that means abusers, no abusers. Nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. That's a pretty strong list in my opinion. What do you think? Should I read it again? Or did you get it? That's a pretty strong list. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure that I've qualified literally for every category on that list at some point in my life, except extortion. Um, although my wife does want a Jeep, so it's not totally off the table. <laughs> Have you seen the prices on those things? Good grief. I could either buy a Jeep or New Jersey. It's... <laughs> I'll take the Jeep. Uh, no, New Jersey's great. Uh, just go through that list one more time with me, okay? The unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. Fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, homosexuals, thieves, drunkards. But then verse 11 comes in, and that's where the real power is. Verse 11 says, and such were some of you. Anybody proud to be a has-been? I am, I am the biggest has-been you've ever met. All right? that, that was how you were. Some of us were. I'm so thankful for that past tense, but you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. You were that, but now you're not. You were set apart. When you said yes to Jesus, when Holy Spirit shined that little light on your little issue, and you said yes, you didn't know that he was, he was just kind of cutting you out of the herd because he had a special assignment for you. You didn't know that all those wounds and scratches and scraped up knees and, and broken horns were going to be used because once you found your healing and, and you were a that, you could then go to those that are that and show them that beyond the word, there is an is. There's a healing beyond what we go through, and it takes sanctification, consecration. And these are theological words. They're big words, and I tried to cover it last week, and I, I left the service, and this message wasn't planned. I went back to the drawing board. I was talking to my family, and I said, I don't know, I feel like there's just something in me. I gotta talk more about sanctification. I gotta really break it down. I gotta help people understand it. We can't just, you know, just run through it too quickly. I really, we really need to understand what sanctification looks like. The focus of justification. You know, when you say yes to Jesus and you are justified, you, you are in an instant a son or a daughter. And, and all of your sins have been forgiven. They have been washed away just as if I'd never done them. Justified, right? In, in a moment, you were justified. And I meet too many people who carry around their past and try to 
prove penance for it and somehow beat themselves up thinking they're doing God a favor. No, I'm here to tell you the good news is when you say yes to Jesus, all of that is washed away in an instant. You are are justified. And in the spirit, immediately you are sanctified. But how many know you have to win things in the spirit before they, you win them in the physical realm? And so you're already sanctified in the spirit the moment that you say yes to Jesus. But then the outworking of that in your fleshly patterns, in your thought processes, in your behaviors, that's the Holy Spirit's job to bring healing to you in that. That's sanctification. 1 John 3, 2 through 3 says, Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies, everybody say purifies, purifies himself as he is pure. Everyone that has hope of someday seeing Jesus face to face, every day you are purifying yourself just as he is purified. Sanctification has an initial phase, it has a progressive phase, and it has a a final phase. You were saved, you are being saved, and you will be saved. Past, present, future. You were sanctified. You are being sanctified. You will be sanctified. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 7 through 17 through 18 says, now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. We all know that verse, don't we? I wish we kept reading sometimes. Because the next verse says, and we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed. That is present continuous form. All of us who are walking in the spirit of the Lord in freedom, we are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the spirit. Too many times we want to throw up our hands and say, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. That means I can do whatever I want. And that's actually not freedom. I mean, you're free to do whatever you want. But that's not at all what scripture is trying to communicate. The, The freedom is you are free from the things that have entangled you. And you can progressively move from glory to glory to glory. Progressively reflecting the image of your creator. That's freedom. I mean, to even think that humans can at all bear the mark of our creator, (laughs) that's freedom. It's not freedom for me to get to do whatever my flesh tells me what to do. It's not exciting and freedom for me to feast on, you know, have a flesh feast. What's exciting? What's free is for me to wake up this morning, the mercies are renewed, and I don't have to live the same day I did yesterday. That's freedom. That is sanctification. Did you know that the Holy Spirit is behind sanctification? Jesus died for your sins, but the Holy Spirit was sent to you. In fact, Jesus said that he had to go away so that the Holy Spirit would be sent because the Holy Spirit's primary job, he has two, 
primary jobs. One is to draw people to Jesus, so salvation. But the second primary thing that the Holy Spirit does is he sanctifies believers. That's his job, Holy Spirit. You didn't think that the name Holy Spirit meant he was more holy than the Father and the Son, did you? Holy Spirit really meant it's a spirit to make you holy. Holy Spirit. That's his job in your life. To bring conviction to you. To bring encouragement to you. To bring inspiration to you. To make you look more like Jesus. And sanctification is the ebb and flow of life. Listen, transformation is a daily experience. I'm not where I want to be. My wife said amen. But she'll say a louder amen when I say I'm not where I used to be. And I hope that you can say the same thing because that's what transformation looks like. It's progressively being transformed into his image. It's the ebb and flow of of trouble and trust, of mountains and mercy. And this is the foundational secret to the Christian life. We are renewed, transformed, healed, and delivered a little more each day. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7 through 11 says, But we have this treasure in jars of clay. One, one translation calls the jars of clay earthen vessel, talking about your body. We have this treasure. The light of the gospel is the treasure that we have inside these jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifest in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that the life of Jesus also may be manifest in our mortal flesh. These, these jars of clay tried desperately to latch on to other jars of clay, things of clay, things that are going to fade, things that are going to rust, things that are only temporary. But inside of this earthen vessel, there is a treasure. And it's the light of the gospel that is constantly bidding you to draw closer to him, to to drop the things that you've attached yourself to and to look a little bit more like Jesus. Second Corinthians chapter four, a few verses down, verses 16 through 18, the apostle Paul says, so we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed. Everybody say renewed. Renewed day by day day for this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen but to the things that are unseen for the things that are seen are transient but the things that are unseen sanctification and consecration and here we've stumbled upon a verse that says you and I are renewed each day 
Now, if you're being renewed every day, that implies that hope fades, that encouragement wanes, that your bucket leaks. I find that incredibly encouraging. And the Apostle Paul says, I've got a secret. And, and it's not a secret on how that you will never need renewal. The secret is you can have an experience and even if you have a big experience the next day, you're going to be need, needing to be renewed again. This is, this is the grand secret of Christian living. And, and I know it's... It's not revolutionary for any of you that have been a Christian for a long time. You understand that every day you leak. Every day you fade a little bit more. Every day you get depleted. You wouldn't need to get renewed if day by day you could run your car on yesterday's gas. You wouldn't need that progressive sanctification. You wouldn't need to be renewed if your lungs would continue to breathe on yesterday's oxygen. If your needs of today were met by yesterday's provision. You see, if you've been in faith for any length of time, you, you understand this already. You understand that there are mountains and there are valleys. There are highs and there are lows. And there are some days where you have to really put in the effort to find that, that space. You know what I mean? That, that time with God. That, that renewal. That moment of renewal. And, and that's what Jesus is talking about. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 34, when he says, Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Tomorrow has its own things to work about, to, to be upset about, to stress about, to lose sleep about. No, no one told us that in this exciting journey of looking more like Christ, that there are also more troubles each and every day. It has its own trouble. That means, what is today? Today is Sunday. Today, Sunday has Sunday troubles. Tomorrow is Monday, Monday troubles, right? That's what Jesus says. I'm not saying that because I'm a prophet. <laughs> Tuesday, we'll have Tuesday troubles. Friday, mm, we'll have Friday troubles. It's going to have its own, own trouble. It's appointed. Each day has has its trouble. But then we look back at Lamentation chapter 3, verse 21 through 24, and it talks about there's something else that happens each and every day. And each and every day, there are new mercies that surface up. And there, there's this partnering in the gospel of each and every day, you got new troubles and you got new mercies. You, you have new troubles and you've got new mercies, and God somehow matches them. You see, I woke up this morning new mercies that I didn't have yesterday. I'm feeling them right now, as a matter of fact. Because this day, Sunday, presents something that Saturday didn't present. So the Lord released onto me as I continue to find myself in the process of sanctification, a new mercy to face a new trouble. God has matched them. And I thought, God, why... Why do I have to get renewed each day? Like, why not just do the, just top it off now? You know, why, 
why do I have to get renewed and go through this process of sanctification? You know, why not just, there's coming a day, right, where I'm going to be fully sanctified. When I see Jesus face to face, I'm going to be completely sanctified. From that moment forward, I will never sin again. Like, I'm going to be all the way up here. God, just like, do that now. If, if you're, if you're going to do that later, save us all some trouble. Just do that now, right? But, but our text that we were just reading tells me that's not really beneficial. Because in this earthen vessel, in these jars of clay, I have a treasure. And, and God chose to put the treasure in my brokenness, brokenness. Why? So that he might get the glory. When my life is a reflection of him, he doesn't need a perfectly sanctified tray walking around in Pflugerville, Texas. He needs a broken tray to be honest and vulnerable and real and say, I once was, but now I'm not. And God is able. And even though I feel broken, he's sustaining me. You see, God gets the glory in all of that. The, the fact that you run out of gas every day puts you back at the station. We all have our origin story. And I don't know what you need to trade today. I don't know what perspectives you brought to the table, what fears you brought to the table, what belief systems you brought to the table. But we have all got an origin story. You know, those things that growing up happened to you or choices that you made. Unbelief. You know, before, before Jesus, be in your BC life, be before Christ, or even when you were living in Christ, but you didn't really understand sanctification and surrender and what that looked like. All of these things that happen to you and choices that you make, they begin to build a framework, a way that you see yourself, the inner thoughts, the way you see the world. It's called our worldview. You know, there, there aren't just two worldviews in the world. It's much bigger than Democrat and Republican. Right? It's... It, it's, it's complex, and everyone has their own worldview. I, I suppose there are two big buckets that we could funnel to, but that's, that's a whole other message. That's uh, those living in unbelief and those living in faith. Those are the, at the end of the day, those are the primary separators. That's not my, my sermon. My sermon is that you and I, we get these belief systems all the time, and we just adopt them, you know? I don't know that we ever intentionally do it, I, we, that we just do it for attention, or, you know, no, nobody just chooses. No one just chooses to tie a knot and put the sign on you, like I'm doing right now. But some of us have an inner dialogue that we're dirty. We just 
We learned it somewhere along the way. Our thoughts are dirty. We're unclean. That, that the good people don't want to be around this. I don't have any, any value to add. I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's one thing that you've taught yourself or picked up or embraced. Here's another one. Another one that I've seen a lot and I've lived a lot broken. I, I literally remember I remember crying out to God and telling him how broken I was. I mean, boy, I, I just I wore this one like, you know, it was my get out of jail card free. I'm so broken, can't you tell? I, I, I've also worn this one. Maybe you have too. Um, addict. I like to say everyone's addicted to something. Some of you are addicted to the pride of saying you're not addicted to anything. Some of you are addicted to coffee. Some of you are addicted to alcohol. Some of you are addicted to pain medication that was prescribed and you lost control of it. Some of you are addicted to pleasing people. You put a limit on what God can do in your life because you're more concerned about pleasing people than you are pleasing Him. Addicts come in all shapes, sizes, all forms of addiction. Some of you are addicted to those 2 a.m. refrigerator runs. I I won't say that I have that addiction, but... um, I've worn labels I've created. Oh, and I have another. Oh, here's one. I like this one. This is a label that I've worn. You've worn. We've all worn. Everybody's worn. Sinner. Oh, gosh. Sinner. Oh, gosh. Sinner. You know, some of us uh, even sanctify this term sinner. And we say we're, we're just a, a sinner saved by grace. But the emphasis really isn't on the grace. It's on the sinner. Because we want a reason to keep doing the things that we're doing. <laughs> I know, I've done it. I've done it. Saved by God's grace. But these are labels. These are actually these strings, these cords, these these are all labels. They're they're belief systems, frameworks, things that we believe to be true. You know what they are? They're lies. They are lies. And then one day, one day we wake up and either we encounter Jesus for the first time, or maybe we encounter our sonship for the first time. Do you know what I mean? 
I mean, come on. If maybe you're like me, I, I I know the story of being raised in church and believing Jesus is my Lord and and doing some really dumb things because I didn't know who I was. I, I can know who Jesus is all day long, but if I don't get a revelation of who I am through him, I continue to produce fruit in keeping with the belief systems that I have. So I keep looking like an addict because I believe that I am an addict. I I keep looking like a sinner because I believe that I am a sinner. I keep looking broken because I believe that I'm broken. I keep looking dirty because that's my belief system. But then, (laughs) then I move from unbelief to faith. I move from unbelief to faith and in an instant things shift in the spirit realm. In an instant I am 100% justified as if I'd never. I am 100% sanctified in the spirit that hasn't yet filtered into the physical. But here's what God won't do. God won't go through and cut all of these cords for me. He'll set the scissors on the table. He'll let me know that I have access to do that. But I can actually be a son and go to heaven and take with me these lies that I've believed my entire life. I call that crossing the Red Sea, but not going beyond the Jordan. But sanctification... Sanctification takes us from over here to over here. I don't know how that's going to work. See, I, I carrying all of all of these lies and as I lean into Jesus more He gives me the opportunity to learn some new truths, to rewrite some narratives in my life. And I learned that I'm clean. I'm not dirty. I know some of us, because of what someone did to you, you feel dirty. Because of a a decision that you made, you feel dirty. Sanctification is that moment when you you look at the truth and that becomes your new label. Clean, dirty. <laughs> look at this. This is what repentance is. Now I'm a clean addict. <laughs> clean, broken addict. Sinner. Well, I'm clean. How, how, isn't it awesome that God doesn't overwhelm us with complete sanctification overnight, that he just takes one thing at a time? He allows us to carry the brokenness, the 
whatever it is that we we're carrying and he focuses on one thing this is why i'm so careful to never say can you believe they're a christian because i don't know what cards they've already exchanged i may see the stuff they're carrying but i don't see the stuff that they've let go Repentance is, is changing from one thing to another, changing from this belief system that I'm dirty to now believing that I'm clean, changing to brokenness to whole. Thank you, Lord, that when you found me, I was broken but you didn't leave me there. And sanctification sometimes looks super messy. Uh, And you know what else? Sometimes you think, you think that you've unpinned it from your clothes but it's tied up in other strings and it follows you anyway. Shameless plug for an incredible ministry we have called Renewal that helps you untangle these cords, helps you understand what's holding you back, helps you understand the lies that you've been believing. Not questioning this. Renewal isn't about getting you to heaven. Renewal is about bringing heaven to your life right now. So anyway, I, I, um, that's, that's done, done. Oh, addict. Oh, but what does God say about me? He says, I'm free. You know what we do as Christians? What we do as Christians, a lot of times we show up and we get the crown and we're on our way to heaven and sanctification is too messy. It takes too long. It's too much work. And, and these, these old things, these old lies that we carry, they're magnetic. It attracts other people who believe the same lies about themselves. So we find little holy huddles not holy, H-O-L-Y, like Holy Spirit, but filled with holes, people whose lives have the same holes in their life, the same bitterness, the same unforgiveness, the same insecurities. Uh, It's like birds of a feather flock together really happens. I'm glad to be free today. In Jesus' name, I once was bound. I was bound by addiction, almost lost my family, and God set me free. Sinner, sinner, where are you? I'm just a sinner saved by grace. But that's not what God wants to say. I'm a saint redeemed by the blood of Jesus. Maybe if you would start seeing yourself as a saint rather than a sinner, you would start enjoying the fruit 
of the agreements that you've made. You see, all the agreements that you've made that you've allowed to attach to yourself, God won't undo those. He gives you free will. Just as he allowed you to choose him, he allows you to carry any label, any belief system that you want to carry. But there is another way through sanctification. Amen. Before I dismiss you and pray over you, I just want to ask if there's any, maybe four volunteers, um, and I'll choose someone that currently needs healing in one of these four areas. Maybe you've had a, a perspective of, oh gosh, of being dirty. Can someone grab me some scissors? Pocket knife, any man? Any man? Oh, I thought you had a pocket knife. Do you always carry scissors? Oh, okay. Is there anyone who has been dealing with mind monsters, just f- being dirty? Not, not being dirty, but feeling dirty, feeling unclean, like maybe just tarnished. Do you know what I mean? But you want to embrace the truth that God says you're clean. Anybody that's willing to come up here and let me hand this to you? Anyone? Anyone? Okay. Awesome. And if you'll just stand right here. Yeah, all right. Um, anyone that was feeling broken... But now you just need, you need the Lord to solidify wholeness, that you are not broken, you are whole. Raise your hand if it's you. There should be maybe several. Any? One? One? Just one? Okay, come on up right here. Yeah, just jump the stage. Yeah, there you go. Kindle. All right. Anyone that is struggling with addiction of any any type, all right, um, you know, you you could tell people when you leave here, I'm addicted to being awesome. You know, if you're you're worried about your reputation, you'll never really find breakthrough. But um, I remember, oh yes, come on, would you would you hit the stairs and come up? I, I wouldn't do what Vance did, but I'm sorry, what is your name? Michelle. Michelle. Awesome, thank you so much. Here, here's freedom. And then and then da, 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 da. Who, who has been battling this? Am I really saved? or not? Am I really here? Okay, come on up. There you go. Uh, Will you guys just squeeze in just a a bit? I just want to pray. Church, will you just stretch your hand forward? What an incredible moment that you're getting to see the Holy Spirit just kind of massage their hearts today and to transition from a set of lies to a set of truth. Father, in Jesus' name, I just lift up these four precious people.
God, I thank you that the lies that they have been believing, the, the labels that they have been carrying, we, we just unclip them and we just release them in the name of Jesus. God, I thank you that we don't have to fight for freedom. We get to fight from a place of freedom because you've already won. You've already won. So God, every mind monster, every lie of, of being dirty, of addiction, of being broken or being a sinner, God, we just thank you that you're gonna solidify that in our hearts, in our lives. In Jesus' name, God, let the spirit of truth set them free. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give it up for them? What, before you go, keep, keep the sign. I, I wrote those myself, and so you're welcome to put them on your mantle at Christmas. Yep, I'll sign it. I'll take a photo with you. Before you go, Vance, you, you were quick to jump on stage. Why are you trying to run off the stage so quick? Listen, the, the, the goal is for us to trade the lies for the truth. So I want to give you for a $50 gift card to Trader Joe's. And as you, Lord knows with inflation, you need it. But as you get some things at Trader Joe's, one of my favorite stores, Carrie and I, um, I want you to make that shopping trip all about a celebration of who God says that you are. All right. Awesome.